0: sorry for the delay this morning technical difficulties things that worked in the past decided not to work today so here we are doing things a little bit differently I am going to get on my device here and see if I can if things are working the way they're supposed to all right I say I am live. This is Pastor Nelson. I'm at Tower View Baptist. There we go. It says I have three people watching. Yes. All right. Um... What am I doing? Here we go. All right. Well, I thought I was going to share this, but it's not cooperating. Um... (laughs) All right, here I am. That is not what I wanted to look at. All right. We are here. Meg Edmonds is watching. Da- Darren is watching. Judy is watching. Good morning. I am here. I have been here. My computer decided to not cooperate this morning and things I did in the past that said was not compatible today. So I am, uh, those of you who don't know who may watch this later, I'm Pastor Nelson, Tower View Baptist Church, Associate Pastor, and this is our Sunday School lesson. We're going to be in Romans Chapter 12. Um, Check our Facebook page, check our website, towerviewkc.com, for our other uh, service opportunities that are today that we're online. The uh, songs will be posted there. The lyrics for the songs are posted there so you can sing. Uh, The sermon uh, from Pastor Darren will be there later this morning. And if you're in the area and you can be at Tower View Baptist Church this morning at 1030, we will have drive-in church in our parking lot. So, welcome and good morning. So, this morning's lesson is on Romans chapter 12, and let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you for your blessings, for all that you do. You are a mighty God. Help us to be your servants. Help us to live our lives for you that we can be a living sacrifice for you we just pray all this in jesus name amen so as a lesson in technology my computer decided not to cooperate the computer itself is working it's the software but i had another device that i could use to do this which i had to go back in the house to get and just to make sure because you never know what's going to go wrong So here we are. We're in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And so we've been studying the book of Romans, and here in verse 12, he says, Therefore. What is he summing up? What is he trying to show us? That he's summarizing. Is it just what we talked about in chapter 11? I don't think so. I think he's summarizing the entire chapters 1 through 11. Obviously he didn't title them chapters 1 through 11. But everything he has written so far he is summarizing. He says, okay, because of all that. Because of what? Because you are a sinner. And that there there is none that's perfect. Because all have fallen short of the glory of God both Jew and Gentile, because God's gift, you know because of the wages of sin is death, God's gift is eternal life. Because we can rejoice in our afflictions, because we have faith in Jesus. And that faith, that saving faith saves us. Because at just the right time, Christ died for us. Because there is no, now no condemnation, because we were slaves to sin, but now we are adopted by God as an heir with Jesus Christ. Because we have been chosen by God in verses nine, chapters 9-11. Nine because of that faith you chose to have, God has chosen you from eternity past. Because of all that because you have confessed, because you believe in your heart, because of all that, therefore, you have something to celebrate. Therefore what? In view of the mercies of God, the mercies, what I just talked about, the faith, saving faith that God gives us, the rejoicing that we can have that God has given us. He goes, I urge you, I implore you, I plead with you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now when we think of sacrificing something, obviously you get to think about giving up something. And to the, the ancient world, both the Gentiles and the Jews, a sacrifice usually meant an animal sacrifice. Something else dying for you. The Jews went to the temple and took an animal with them, a lamb. It could have been a, as large as an ox or a bull. It, if they were poor, it might only be a pigeon. But they took an animal with them to uh, sacrifice. Something died for them. Their religion is this world that you know that they will kill people from other religions as a sacrifice, and that's their sacrifice is to kill somebody else. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about anybody dying. We know through even through Romans, Paul talked about dying that Jesus was our sacrifice. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about you have to die. He says you are a living sacrifice. You are to sacrifice yourself, but to keep living through all of it. Nothing, you're not to die, not physically. That will happen eventually. But your life in Jesus is a living sacrifice. You are to follow Christ no matter what. And that low sacrifice, yourself, your holy self, your living self. It is pleasing to God it's holy It's set apart and it's pleasing to God and that's worship so what does that look like well okay hang on Paul gets to that but that's the true worship giving yourself everything about you to God that is your living sacrifice well how do we do that and Paul starts explaining that in verse two do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And so first he gives it to you, and he gives it to you two ways. A positive and a negative. I got don't move my finger over here, done do any good. Two ways. Don't be conformed to this age. What is this age? This age is the time period since Jesus has died and resurrected. Paul was living in the same age that you're living in now. So this age, the age of the first century Christians, the age of persecution by Nero, the age of Christians spreading to Europe, the age of Christians, of the world being by the black plague throughout Europe in the dark ages, in the middle ages, the age of... Of, of, of people coming to America and discovering it for the first time all that all this current time World War One World War Two our Civil War that's all this age it's not just this decade it's not just this lifetime for you is this age has been for, for the past two thousand and twenty years or so give or take that's this age it's sinful it's awful People have been trying to justify sin outside the church and inside the church. Don't be conformed to that. Don't follow the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. That's the same word that they use when Jesus went up to the mount and it says he was transfigured. It's the same word that we use when we say that a caterpillar is metamorphic. Is, you know, metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly it's the same your mind should be changing and this is a and the way they word this it's that's not a one-time thing your mind should be constantly being transformed from the day of your salvation to the day of your death you are constantly transforming and renewing your mind it doesn't stop You need to be constantly looking how you need to change your mind. The things that you do, the things that you say, the attitudes that you have should never stop changing because of Christ. Because you're transforming, you can discern. You can tell the difference between right and wrong, between righteousness and sinfulness. And if you can do that, that is good, that is pleasing, and that is doing the perfect will of God. You say, well, how do I do the will of God in my life? You transform your mind. You don't conform to this. How do you transform your mind? One, you read this often. You read it. Not just one verse at a time, you read chunks of it at a time. Because if you read one verse at a time, you get to therefore, and you go, well, therefore, okay, therefore what? I don't know you just kind of blow it off you don't even know what that means you read it all because you see the word transformed even as in english in multiple places paul says in another letter you are a new creature a new creation jesus said that as the church you will become the bride of christ that's another word picture of you changing Think about how much you've changed since the day you were married. That change that happens. You beca- Instead of becoming me, you become we. Paul said earlier in this letter, in chapter 8, he says, you are adopted. You go from being a slave to being adopted by God the Father. It's another word picture. And so all these signify that you are changing. And this is, like I said, it's not a one-time change. It's a continual change. Well, how do you do this? Glad you ask. And Paul says, glad you ask." Keep reading the rest of chapter 12. You, the Bible doesn't leave you hanging. You just got to keep reading it. The rest of chapter 12. In the, in the lesson plan, they skip over 3 through 8. But just to summarize, 3 through 8 is a list of, calls us the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And just as our body has many members, I have an ear and I have a nose, I have fingers, and arms and, and all all that I have a cleft chin you know I have all that stuff there's many members evens in all that we are still one body in the Christ the Church of Jesus Christ even though there are many people in it it's still one body we need to be united evens in our diversity we need to be united even though some people want to sing one type of songs, and other people want to sing different songs, we can still be united. Some people like long sermons, some people like short sermons. We can still be united. We can't agree on the color of the carpet or the what color to paint the walls. We can still be united in Christ. And so that's what he talks about in verses 3 through 8, that we should be united. And it gives that word picture that we are a one body. Another word picture. And in every way, we are united. We are one body together, even when we don't agree on all the details, even when we don't all have the same roles within the church. We are still united. And then in verse 9, he starts spelling it out. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. And this just kind of goes back to Corinthians in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he lists that we are one body. And he lists the roles of and how we are united in one body. And in chapter 13, what we call the love chapter, he talks about how we need to show love. And that's in relation to the church and how we should relate to the church. And in here, he gives us verses 3 through 8 that we are one body. And in verse 9, the first thing he says, that let love be without hypocrisy. Which is what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. He says, and so up at the top it said, you know, to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. What is it? Verses 3-8, verses through eight, you're united in church. You're united in one body with all the members of the church. And then starting in verse 9, he said he gives us a list. Here's how you serve the will of God. Here's how your mind needs to start changing. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lack diligence and zeal, be fervent in the Spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in the hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints and their needs, pursue hospitality. How? Do all those things. But you do them without hypocrisy. And you detest evil, and you cling to what is good. And doing these things is what is good. And another reason to read big chunks. So in verse 9, it says, detest evil, cling to what is good. In your Bibles, go down to the last verse of this chapter, verse 21. It says, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So in verse 9 and verse 21, he talks about good and evil. Good and evil in those verses. And then the everything is sandwiched between is talking about the differences between good and evil. What to do that is good? What to do that is e- What not to do that is evil? And so when you read a chunk like that and you see it bracketed by common phrases, common words, you know that everything between that is it's like a it's it's like the way they made a paragraph. Because when Paul wrote this. He didn't use paragraph marks. They didn't use white space and periods. It was all one big block because they didn't paper was expensive. And so to dis- sometimes the, the Bible writers they they bracketed it with a common thought, a common phrase. And so verse 9 and verse 20 and 21 talks about the differences between good and evil. So everything between those is about the differences between good and evil. And so as we go down through here, I mean, each one, of, each one of these phrases you could preach a sermon on. You could teach an entire Sunday school lesson on. And so we can't really break them all down. But take them as a whole. So, but you, the goal is to love without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. And what is the good things? Love one another as brothers and sisters. As brothers and sisters. You, you, you love your brothers and sisters differently than you love your spouse. You love your brothers and sisters differently than you you love your parents. It's it's a chaste love. It's an honorable love. You, You may correct your brothers and sisters, but you don't let anybody else do that, right? But there is a special zeal that you have for your brothers and sisters. And in doing that, you try to outdo one another in showing honor. Think about those two chipmunks in in, in the cartoons that are always saying, no, you first, no, you first, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Uh, You do that. You try to show honor to others. And you don't lack the zeal. The zeal for God. Be fervent. Don't be zeal for How? Well, be fervent in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Serve the Lord. That's your zeal. Okay? You're fervent in the Spirit and you serve the Lord. That's your zeal. And then you rejoice in hope. Hope. Paul talks about this back in chapter 5. He talked about hope and affliction. And he said, you know, that you can, you, because of affliction, you have a, a hope in the future. You rejoice in your future. You rejoice in that hope that you have. You don't despair. In scripture, the opposite of hope is despair. So you rejoice in the hope, you don't despair. And what is that hope? It's not a hope so. Well, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope it gets warm enough. No, not that. that's not the hope the scripture has. The hope is that you know, you have that steadfast assurance that you have eternal life in God. That no matter what happens in this world, you have a place in heaven. No matter how many diseases and viruses you catch on this world, you have a place in heaven. No matter what job you have or what job you don't have, you have a place in heaven. No matter if you live to be 100 or if you die later today, you have a place in heaven. That's that eternal hope that you have. And you rejoice in that. I'm looking for where I'm at. There it is. Be patient in affliction. We Americans we're not very patient sometimes, especially in affliction. How much do we we the lines too long, the lines too slow. How come there's a traffic jam? Why is the internet so slow? Why is my computer not working today when it worked last week just fine? I don't know. Patient in affliction. Other places in in, in Chapter 5, it said rejoice in your affliction. James said the same thing. Rejoice in your affliction. Here it says be patient in your affliction. Be persistent in prayer. That's a lot like when Paul said, you know, pray without ceasing. Be persistent. Share with the saints in their needs. Who are the saints? Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Way back up in verse 10. Share with your brothers and sisters in Christ and pursue hospitality. That's more than just, you know, inviting people for dinner. It's showing hospitality even to those who don't deserve it, to those who don't follow Christ. There's many ways to show hospitality. Verse 14 continue on. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with the one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. What in the world? Okay. Look at this stuff. This is how you are a living sacrifice. You give up your needs. You give up your desires. Rejoice. Bless those who persecute you. Somebody cusses you out because you are a Christian and you you are saved by grace, and they cuss you out for telling them about Jesus. You are to bless them, and not curse them. The word blessing is the same word that we get that we say you for a eulogy. You say good words to them. A eulogy is you say good words to a person. We usually think about it usually when somebody dies. But here it says give them a eulogy while they're still alive give them good words bless them do not who persecute you bless and then just to emphasize the point bless and do not curse you're not to curse them you were to bless them what did jesus say to those who were uh, crucifying him he says father forgive them and he didn't say a single bad word to them We are to bless those who persecute us, who insult us, who criticize us. And then, our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and the rest of the world, that you people you know, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. What did Jesus do when he went to the tomb of Lazarus and Mary and Martha were crying? He cried too. He cried from his own emotions but he cried because they were crying he, he, he had sympathy he had empathy with them rejoice with those who rejoice the story of the prodigal son the brother the brother that, that stayed home did he rejoice when his brother came home no he failed to rejoice when others were rejoicing and he was chastised for that So we are to rejoice and weep with those. Empathize with those that are around us. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. We talked about that in 11. Don't don't get oh haughty just because you were saved and somebody else is not. Ask God for wisdom. We see that in the book of James. But don't get haughty about it don't get proud about it live in harmony with one another that means you, you, you try when you do something wrong you apologize you make it right it's not that you never make a mistake but you apologize for it. you don't you make it right you don't always look for your way to get done you look for other people to get things done how can you help others Do not be wise. Do not, and then verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what to do, what is honorable in the eyes of everyone. All right. It's not saying to be a people pleaser and you please everybody because you can't do that. You can't believe, there's 7 billion people in this world. You're not going to please 7 billion people. Even within our church, you know, roughly 100 people or so. Can't please everyone. That's not what it's saying. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Try to do the honorable thing. Not everybody will see it as honorable. We come from different cultures. If you meet people from other cultures, you know sometimes you think what's honorable in one culture is sometimes it, you know an insult in another culture. But to do that. But you need to learn that. That is part of, you know, give careful thought, being honorable. American. Learn other people's cultures that are around you. If you have somebody at work that just moved here from another country, learn about their culture. Learn about what they do. Don't just assume that they have to do everything your way. Even as in America, we don't all do the same thing the old way. You're from New York City is way different than being from Indiana. Is way different than being from southern Georgia. It's not the same. So learn how to be honorable with other people. And in verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, he qualifies it now, live at peace with everyone. That, you know, if possible, but it's not always possible. And Paul acknowledges it's not always possible, but as much as you can. Because they're going to hate you the first time you say, hey, I'm a Christian. And they may hate you the rest of your life. But that's not on you. That's on them. Okay? You can apologize for something that you did. You did something wrong. You blew your top. You You cursed at them. You apologize. You try to make it right. You try not to make the same mistake again. You don't do the same thing over. But for them to forgive you is not yours. You can't force somebody to forgive you. You can't force somebody to do that. You may have to forgive them for not forgiving you. But as much as it's possible, you do the right thing. You, you cling to what is good. You detest what is evil. In verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me i will repay says the lord and so a part of clinging to what is good a part of ironing one another part of sharing with the saints is that you don't seek vengeance you don't this is not the 1980s and you're not in a soap opera you don't have to get back at everybody for all everything they do that's part of your sacrifice you leave your right of vengeance with god even when you read through the Psalms and you see where David says, "I hate evil, I detest evil," and everything and it, he leaves it in the hands of God to, to deal with. And so we see, and then these last verses here, and I know they're not in the lesson plan, but they're in the Scripture. These last verses in chapter tw- in chapter twelve are quotes from the Old Testament, from Second King from Kings and and from. Uh, Proverbs: If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap fiery coals on his head. Think about what King David did in the wilderness. There was two different times David could have killed King Saul easily, and he didn't do it. He showed mercy, and David was considered a man after God's own heart. And that's what we are to do. We are to show mercy. We're not to give people what they deserve. That doesn't mean as a boss, you're not supposed to correct your employees. That doesn't mean you never fire anybody because sometimes that has to happen. That means we, it doesn't mean you don't prosecute if somebody robs you and, and you have to testify against somebody. That is not what it's talking about. That's not vengeance. That's just earthly justice. Vengeance is seeking revenge, personal revenge on somebody. Instead of calling the police, you go vigilante and you go hunt them down. That's vengeance. When somebody insults you, you think you have to insult them back. Somebody else gets the promotion instead of you, and you you go and sow seeds of rumors and lies to try to bring them down. That's vengeance. And you're not to do that. You're to do the opposite of that. You're to be kind to your enemies. Even though that person lied to get their promotion over you, you still treat them with kindness. You still respect their position. You still share the love of God with them. In verse 21, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. That's the whole goal. That's how he sums up this chapter. You are a living sacrifice. How do you do that? You, you aren't conquered by evil. You conquer evil with good. You give up your right for hating somebody. You give up your right for vengeance. You follow God. You are transforming your mind, your attitude, your heart, your life, so that you are more like God. And so chapters 1 through 11, why are you saved? How can you get saved? What is faith? Okay, now that you're saved, What do you do the rest of your life? You're transformed. You are a living sacrifice. That is true worship. So you are worshiping God all the time. When you are at work, when you're driving to work, when you're driving home, when you're at the grocery store. You are worshiping God. Is your heart and your attitude worshiping God? Does that mean you have to be singing songs out loud? No. No. But your heart and your mind and your attitude should be in an attitude of worship. So that people can see and know that you are a follower of God. And that's the goal. That's being a living sacrifice. So we are to worship God while we're driving down the road listening to the radio. You are to worship God when you're taking that nature walk. But you're also to worship God here at church. With your brothers and sisters when we can. To the best of our ability that we can. And that is being, not being conquered by evil, but conquering evil with good. And that is against the waves of the world. And that is how you have to transform your mind in this age. And go back and read these verses again. Th- those things. Some of those resonate and say, well, I do that one already. But others like, you don't. You, you react against. It's like, God wants me to do that? I can't do that transform your mind the way a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly you are to be transformed how do you do that well it says be diligent and zeal be fervent in the spirit serve the lord you be persistent in prayer do those things you know that part of that is reading scripture and filling your mind with the things of god scripture so thank you for listening today thank you for watching this once again follow our our, our, our church at towerviewkc.com um, once again i'm pastor nelson let's close in prayer we thank you and praise you for your scripture lord we thank you for all that you provide help us to love you and to serve you in all that we do because you are the mighty god transform our mind transform our life lord that we can be a living sacrifice to you that we can do with the pleasing and holy will of god that we can discern the difference between righteousness and evil. And that we can be an honorable brother and sister in Christ. That we can conquer evil with good. Show us how to do that. Show us how to change our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Once again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Have a good day and God bless.